Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Currently Not Tripping. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm here again with Chris and Lee. Hey, guys. Hey, all. What's up? Awesome. So what's up is we're going over Group G. We got Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon coming at you. So before we get started, this week's episode is sponsored by Rob C. from Wakefield, Massachusetts, who wants to remind listeners to remember to tip the can away from you when you're making a hole to shotgun a beer. Thanks, Rob. Well, that is an incredible reminder. Thank you so much. I will do that right before I go to bed tonight. <laughs> Looking forward to that. We should record after that. Okay. So I'm just going to jump right into it. We got Brazil here. Brazil at the World Cup. This is the most successful team of all time in almost any metric. They've won the most World Cups, five. They've qualified for the most World Cups, every single one. They have the most victories in World Cup history, but my favorite record is that they have the most red card sending offs as well with 11. Brazil have also seen their players win the golden ball for best player seven times. One interesting tidbit that I found in my research was that this team has played 43 different teams in the world in the World Cup and has not recorded a win against only three teams. One of those is Switzerland, who happened to be in this group. Brazil has twice tied Switzerland in the World Cup, but has never beaten them or lost to them. So in summary, this team's amazing and has always been amazing. Perennial contenders who are currently ranked first in the world. Storyline. In a weird twist of scheduling fate, this team has not played a European side since March 2019. This team is a little bit of a lull during the start of COVID where they looked lackluster, you know, for a Brazilian team until mid-2021 when the manager added in some new young blood that he referred to as Perninhas Rapidas, which means fast little legs. So that's Rafinha, Anthony, Vinicius Jr., Rodrigo, and Gabriel Martinelli. And they introduced a new pace and quality that has led Brazil fans to believe that they can win the cup again. So key players. The first key players, Neymar. He's the superstar striker who plays his club football in Paris and is only two goals away from equaling Pele's record as Brazil's all-time top scorer. He's been accused of being immature in the past, but the now 30-year-old forward is more mature and has a top-tier supporting cast. The English Premier League has been dominated the last couple of years by Liverpool and Manchester City. Both of these world-class teams boast incredible Brazilian goalkeepers. Allison for Liverpool and Ederson for Manchester City. The two of them are on every single top 10 list of active goalies you can find. Typically, Allison is rated higher than Ederson, but the two of them are far and away the best goalie tandem in the world. They have such an abundance of goalkeeping talent that's a shame that one of them has to sit on the bench. So, Chris, you've watched more Premier League than I have. How do you rate these two Brazilian goalies? Um... I rate uh, I rate Allison as probably the first. I he is the best goalkeeper in the world. Number two, very close is Thibaut Courtois. I think almost even maybe going down to fourth or fifth for me is Ederson. And between one and five is a very small gap. Ederson, I've seen enough play. His reactions are incredible. Um, his predictions are incredible. The only thing that gets me with him sometimes is his positioning. He gets caught out. He makes some dumb moves sometimes. Uh, you don't see Allison doing that 
really at all. He did when he first got there. Uh, he tried to do some fancy footwork Brazilian type stuff, and he got in trouble a couple times. Um, but he learned the pace of the league very quickly. So, again, uh, Allison's my favorite. I'm biased. He plays for my club team. Ederson, um, five might be harsh. I might put him at third or fourth. Um, Thibaut Courtois, though, is is one and two for me. Yeah, I mean, having two of the top five goalies, even if he's on the back end of your top five, is just a embarrassment of riches for a club. Uh, sorry, for a national team. Yeah, it's insane. Okay, so one more player that I want to highlight here is Bruno Guimaraes. He's only played for Brazil eight times previously, but recently moved from French team Lyon to English side Newcastle United earlier this year. He's quickly become an integral figure for this team that has shot up the leaderboard to enter into the top four in England. According to FOTMOB, a website that rates players every single game, Bruno's one of the best five players in the Premier League so far this season. And I'm not certain he will get much playing time with how stacked this roster is, but he's become one of my favorites and I'd like to see him succeed here. So this team also has some notable exclusions from the roster that came out a couple days ago before we've recorded this episode um, that are briefly worth mentioning as well. We're missing Coutinho from Aston Villa, and I'm sorry, Chris, we're missing Roberto Firmino from Liverpool. Can you talk about potentially why he didn't make this team? Uh, yes, I can. And the answer is I don't know. Um, I have a hypothesis is that the coach is looking for a very specific style of play, which is speed and more speed. And Bobby is old enough now where he doesn't have the same speed he used to. But I think leaving him out is an incredible mistake. Uh, If you look at the form of all five Brazilian forwards and attacking midfielders in the Premier League, specifically this year, Firmino has the most uh, offensive contributions. He's got six goals and five assists for Liverpool. The only one that comes close is Gabriel Jesus for Arsenal, and he is five and five. So not not far behind by any means. Um, The thing that kills me about leaving Bobby out is he is a little older. He's certainly older than any of the other um, forwards there. But his dynamism as a player is what really makes him a linchpin for Liverpool. He is just an incredible false nine. Uh, He knows how to hold up play very well. His vision is world-class. He can see players' runs before they even start happening. He's incredible. Um, But, again, this is the asterisk, if you don't ever plan to play like that, it's your way or the highway, which is the way this coach may be going then Bobby gets left out of the team. All right, I guess we'll see if it hurts them or not. But moving on to what they do well, literally everything. But the Brazilians have always been known for their attacking flair, and this year will be no different. This is a lineup that includes only stars and a bench full of other stars. They've scored three or more goals in six of their last seven matches in the build-up to this tournament. What they struggle with, what could hold them back, Their defense is very strong, but this is potentially their weakest point. The defense is well positioned, but they do have a lack of elite pace that could leave them vulnerable to quick transition counterattacking teams. This defense is led by Chelsea center back Thiago Silva, who's still playing incredibly well, but he's 38. 
and in the tw- which is in the twilight years for outfield players. And the expectations for this team? It's World Cup win or nothing for this Brazil squad. The roster's absolutely stacked through and through, and I personally expect them to make an extremely deep run into this tournament. And I would expect this team to make it to the final game. Whether they win or not, I haven't decided, but I think they'll make it that far. Yeah, I think um, I think that's right. This team is, I won't say a lot different from 2018, but I can't think of any hole in that roster, you know, that you don't have a star player. I'm thinking even for Liverpool, again, defensive midfielder and Fabinho. That man is just covering the back four so well. Tiago is a world-class leader. You've got Neymar. Uh, yeah, they're an embarrassment of riches. Okay. Lee, what does the uh, big bad Brazil remind you of? This one seems kind of obvious to me. You're talking about legacy. You're talking about prestige. Um, this one to me is Michael Phelps, somebody who's been, you know, an absolute monster in the sport of swimming. Like he was in five different Olympics from like 2000 to 2016. Um, that is an eternity for anybody in the sport of swimming. And I mean, Brazil has been dominating the world stage for so long. Um, Phelps, as you may or may not know, wins gold medals just every time he touches the water. Um, Brazil's kind of expected to do the same anytime they're in the World Cup. Um, it's just on top of the world, really. I think there's really no other comparison as to somebody who, or even a sports team that's really competed at such a high level for so long. This might be my favorite comparison so far. And I look forward to the Brazil uh, subway commercials. Really just the Rolls Royce of swimmers and football teams. (laughs) Okay. So now he's a car and a swimmer. Let's go Brazil. So let's, uh, let's take this into the, one of the only teams that Brazil has never lost to, Switzerland. Yes, I will take it into group stage favorites, Switzerland. They have appeared in the finals of the World Cup on 11 occasions, the first being at the second finals in 1934, where they finished in seventh position. They have made their 11th appearance in the 2018 World Cup in Russia. In recent decades, the Swiss have emerged as tournament regulars, with the side's appearance in Qatar set to mark a fifth successive World Cup showing. Fans will certainly be hoping for a repeat of the results from four years ago when they held Brazil to a 1-1 draw and beat Serbia, but a much more stern test await them this time around. Key players to shout out, Grand Zaha, the highly experienced combative central midfielder, has been capped more than 100 times for his country and has displayed excellent form of late for his club side, Arsenal. His role in Qatar will be to function as Switzerland's all-action central cog, linking up play between its defensive marshals and attacking talents. Fabian Schaar, a solid defender in great form for Newcastle. He'll be tasked with marshalling the defensive line. And old Liverpool player Zerdan Shakiri, 31 in his fourth World Cup. This player is an attacking key. His creativity and passing is excellent, along with his free kicks. He is mercurial, however, and he needs to show up in Switzerland when they need it the most. Uh, What they do well, uh, the squad possess experience and quality in key midfield and defensive positions. And they will look to uh, take it to any team with possession of the ball rather than counterattack. What they struggle with and what will hold them back. Shakiri is their only real creative outlet. 
If he is not there to pick the locks, stubborn defenses will shut down their attack. Their expectations will be to get out of the group stage. My guess is they take an L in the round of 16. Okay, I think that's a uh, a solid review of uh, of Switzerland. I don't think there's a, a ton to go over for them. But um, so you're saying that Shakiri is the one who has to uh, pick the locks. Are you concerned that he now plays in the MLS and has been out of games since the season ended over a month ago? No, um, you know I think Shakiri is somebody that his personality is what really gets him. Um, I think he's kept around about the same form. I started watching him when he played for Bayern. He then moved to Stoke, uh, which is now a tier two league in Premier League. Uh, he then moved to Liverpool and then he moved to a French team. I think it was Lyon for about a year and is now in the MLS. Everywhere he's gone, really except for Liverpool, he has butted heads with the rest of his teammates. That being said, uh, his gameplay really hasn't changed. Uh, I've seen him do incredibly well um, in any one of those squads. His uh, ability behind a dead ball is insane. Some of his free kicks he's taken. And his passing range is incredible, too, in his vision. Um, Sometimes he just falls asleep. Uh, So playing in the MLS, yeah, the MLS has looked as a retirement league. It's a little bit of a downgrade. I don't want to say a little bit. It's a downgrade from some of the European leagues. Uh, But at the same time, it's not like his play has changed any. Uh, So I I don't expect that to have any real detriment to his play with his national team at the World Cup. Okay, that sounds good. Um, Just one more question about him. Do you know what his nickname is? The Power Cube. Yeah, I love that. He's just built like a cube and he's, he's built just, different. It's just so strong. So he's the power cube. Yeah. For those that uh, aren't putting that analogy together, I don't know his height, but it's something like five, five. And he looks like a bull, just a raging bull. He is a jacked human being, uh, just a bit compact. All right. So, Lee, what are the power cube in Switzerland make you think of? Yeah, this team reminds me a lot of the current day uh, Green Bay Packers. I mean, you got Aaron Rodgers on this team. He's been around for, you know, 10, 15 years, probably longer than that, honestly. It's almost like a one-dimensional team. I mean, they, they basically ride or die with him. Um, however well he performs or however poorly he performs, that's how the team's going to do. Uh, this team's been known to basically make the playoffs year after year, and they're expected to be there but never be a title contender. Um, I know they had the one win back in, I believe it was 2011. Um, but since then, they just haven't been able to repeat that level of success. But um, they always exist in the playoffs. They always are a competitive team to play against. And they even have a, I guess in my opinion, they have a power cube of their own uh, with running back Aaron Jones, who's just built like a bull and will run you over. Um, They have a very similar makeup and a very similar feel to me. That's a really fun comparison. I like that a lot. Okay, so now I'm going to take us into Cameroon. So Cameroon, the Indomitable Lions. What a team nickname. This is one of the African teams with the most successful histories. This will be their eighth World Cup since their first back in 1982. They made it out of the group stage only once, but in 1990, they made it all the way to the quarterfinals, becoming the first African team to get that far. 
though, the recent history in the World Cup is not as strong. They've not won a game since 2002 and have not found much success since with a very negative goal differential in many World Cups. But in the African Cup of Nations, they've won five times, including 2017. They've made the podium on four other occasions, including last year's third place. This team is currently ranked 43rd in the world and had to win some games in overtime to make it to this World Cup. So the storyline here is Cameroon has recently been defeated by the likes of Uzbekistan and South Korea that have brought the high-flying Cameroon down to earth. They start off their three games in the group stage with Switzerland and Serbia. If they can get good points out of it, they may be able to sneak into the knockout rounds. So there's a good number of talented players on this team that would be worth highlighting as a key player. But we can start with 23-year-old Brian Mbuemo of the English Premier League Brentford. He has been in every game started for this club and is currently second in goals scored for them. It's a low number, but hey, second to second. So the next key player is Eric Maxim Chupomoting. So this is a 33-year-old center forward who is just starting to find the form of his life for Bayern Munich. His awesome form will need to be included, even if he hasn't been a regular starter for this team in the past. Chupomoting and Mbuemo bring confidence that this team can score on anyone. And the final player I'd like to talk about is goalie Andre Onana. So he plays for Inter Milan right now and is in fine form. He has a bit of an interesting past, though. He played for Ajax in the Netherlands and supposedly took his wife's medicine by accident and tested positive for a banned substance that caused him to be banned from playing for nine months. So he's back. He's been back playing for over a year, so he should be well past that. But just an interesting tidbit. Um, a couple of honorable mentions here include winger Toko Ikambi, midfielder Andre Frank Zambo and Guisa, and forward Vincent Abubakar. So what they do well, it's attack. This team has many different ways of scoring goals, including a direct approach. That flexibility and attack will keep the opposition teams guessing, and it only takes one misstep for this team to bounce. But now for the interesting bit. What they struggle with, what holds them back. It's nothing on the field, actually. It's the president of the Footballing Association for Cameroon. It's past legend Samuel Eto'o. During his time on the field, he was one of the absolute best strikers on the planet. However, as president, he makes harsh comments, publicly criticizes players, and has demanded that the team make it to the final. This amount of pressure coming from your own organization can be very hard to handle. Will it lift them or will it squash them? We don't know yet. But the expectations is that this is a good team and should not be taken for granted. That being said, I still anticipate a group stage failure for them. The rest of this group is too strong. So here uh, is bonus question. What was the drug that Onana took to get him banned? Oh, gosh, I read it. It was something I'd never heard of before. I think it starts with a T. What was it? It is furosemide. Oh, not even close. Yes, it is a uh, substance that is taken to avoid headaches. Okay, interesting. I fail to see how that's a a true like performance enhancer, but uh, <laughs> okay. It helps you focus, and I have no idea. Great. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Lee, for a team with a past legend as president who is just trying to run the show, what do they remind you of? Yeah, this one's interesting. Um, I'm thinking about someone who is 
Well, I'm, I'm looking at the the owner or the president situation specifically here. Um, I'm looking at someone who was an absolute stud when uh, he was a player and didn't really um, amount to much as an owner and, and actually, you know, kind of doing the same and criticizing his own team openly. Um, that's none other than Michael Jordan. And when he was the owner of the Charlotte Bobcats, um, you may remember that he was an absolute star of the Chicago Bulls and won multiple championships. And then eventually, I think he was like a player coach for the Washington Wizards as well, and then became a minority owner of the Bobcats. Uh, but just continuing to put that same pressure, you know, kind of having had that success of his own and wanting to kind of replicate that through his players um, and just putting the expectations there, the, the bar setting so high, um, just it's disappointing to see it, honestly, coming from a fan's perspective. It's like, why are you trying to make them into something they're not? And I see this quote here. Um, Michael Jordan openly said, I'm really not happy about the record book scenario last year. It's very, very frustrating. As a player, I feel like you just hate to hear that from your owner. So I feel for these guys. Um, they have a talented roster here for this year's World Cup. I really hope they just kind of keep their ears shut and just go play the game. That's a really good comparison. I uh, I wouldn't have come up with that one on my own. I think that uh, it's a fantastic choice because he was just a fantastic player who just was in his own head and, and couldn't make it work on the uh, organizational side of things. And so it's a, uh, it's kind of sad that he puts that pressure on him both, uh, you know, when Michael Jordan did it and that uh, Eto is doing it now, but um, yeah. Okay. So let's move on to the, uh, the final team in this group. Let's go with Serbia. Chris, take it away. Serbia is the final team in this group. This is a fascinating one from a geopolitical standpoint, if nothing else. From the 1930 World Cup to the 1938 World Cup, Serbia was part of the Kingdom of Yugoslavia. And afterwards, from 1950 to 1990, Serbia was part of the Socialist Federal Republic of Yugoslavia, both of which competed in the World Cup. From the 1994 World Cup to the 2006 World Cup, Serbia played with Montenegro. From 2006 to present, Serbia played as an independent country. However, FIFA recognized Serbia as the official successor of the Yugoslav team, thus inherited all the records of Yugoslavia. So for this podcast, we will just be looking at their most recent record as Serbia. Out in the group stage 2010, they did not qualify in 2014, and out in the group stage again in 2018. Storyline, can they make it, can they make it past the group stage for the first time uh, as Serbia? Key players. Uh, I'm going to talk about some more players in a different category. There's one I want to shout out now. Plays for Fulham in the Premier League. It's Alexander Mitrovic. Uh, he always finds a way into the back of the net. He is on my fantasy team for the Premier League. Uh, he always just manages to get in there with some crazy goal. They're not always spectacular. He's a big guy. Some of them are rough and tumble. He's great at heading balls into the back of the net. He just he gets them in there. He's going to be uh, the spear for their attack. What they do well is attack. Uh, Mitrovic can be paired with Juventus striker Dusan Vlahovic or Fiorentina's Luka Jovic with Ajax's Dusan Tadic tucked in behind as the number 10. There are very few nations that can match that firepower where Lazio's Sergei Mil Milininkovic-Savic, excuse me, 
bless me, has been seen uh, one of the Serie A's finest midfielders over the past five years. Uh, this next one, when I thought about what they struggle with and what will hold them back, uh, I ended up with defense. Their failure to qualify for Euro 2020 saw the team score 20 goals in 10 games but concede 19. The defense was improved this cycle, but Serbia still conceded more than both Portugal and Ireland in qualifying. In recent matches, they've conceded three to Denmark and two to Slovenia. The backup to what I think they would struggle with and or will hold them back is also Alexander Mitrovic. I think he has such an attitude. He could easily turn around and head somebody he doesn't like and red card and just put them down to 10 men. So also just a one man, take it or leave it. Uh, <laughs> their expectations and their hopes will be to get out of the group stage. In reality, um, I don't think they make it out. It sounds like this is just going to be a fun team to watch. I think that's absolutely right. We're going to see a lot of fun up front. Question mark in the back. They're not terrible in defense, but they need some improvement. Um, Alexander Mitrovic is fun to watch. There's a lot of talent up front. They can really produce some firepower. We'll see where it takes them. Yeah, I've really enjoyed watching Vlahovic play for uh, Juventus as well. So I've been watching that team for American Weston McKenney. But um, also, I, I got to say that uh, Sergei Milinkovic Savic is just a fun name to say. Oh, it is. He's also an incredible, incredible player, too. Uh, my vote for best hair. Ooh, I don't know what his hair looks like, so I'll have to Google that. <laughs> OK, um, Lee, do the Serbians remind you of anybody? Yeah, actually, two people um, who play a very similar role in baseball. Um, I'm talking about the people who are literally one-dimensional. You're either hitting a home run or you're striking out. <laughs> Talk about entertainment, right? So my first thought was Mark Reynolds, um, who actually, believe it or not, he led the MLB four consecutive seasons in strikeouts, but still hit 30-plus home runs in each of those seasons. Um, the other player is Chris Davis, who... I think played for the Orioles the majority of his career. You know, as a Red Sox fan, yeah, I always saw him as an opponent. He he would just do the exact same thing. Um, they're super fun to watch, but you can't really depend on their performance, right? So it's just kind of like a boomer bust player. Um, reminds me of this boomer bust team. And like you guys said, I think it's just exciting to watch. Yeah, we'll be looking for Serbia to sock some dingers. I really thought you were going with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. I thought so, too. I wanted to, but I don't know. I mean, they're good home run hitters. I thought they also hit well for average. That's why I didn't want to go with them. I feel like they're oh, more right. prolific, right? I'm going with somebody who's kind of sucks, quite frankly. <laughs> good to say also Serbia, Serbia never took steroids. Well, that we're aware of. Well, neither did. <laughs> We're going to need a fire truck of lawyers here at some point. <laughs> All right. You heard it here first. Nick says Serbia <laughs> takes steroids. I did not say that. <laughs> I implied it. At least it didn't take their wife's <laughs> medicine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They take whatever the their wife's drugs. Don't worry about it. Headache pills. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a, uh, that's a pretty fun group right there. So for predictions, um, Chris, why don't you lead us off this time? 
Brazil will easily take this group as number one. Switzerland will come in behind as the only team that are still unbeaten for Brazil. <laughs> okay, that's a uh, that's a very specific prediction. I like that a lot. That they're not going to lose to Brazil at this tournament. Fun. Okay. Um. So now I guess uh let's throw it over to Lee. Yeah, Brazil wins this group. I think there's no question about that. Um, they're too good. Um. In terms of second, this one's kind of tough for me. I'm looking between Switzerland and, and Cameroon, honestly. Um, I'm, I'm kind of feeling the underdog story again here, but I don't know if I can really stick with it. I'm talking about Cameroon, of course. Um, they're going to really have to play out of their minds to make it out of this stage, especially with the expectations they put on themselves. All that pressure leading up to this moment might just backfire on them. Switzerland is as steady as they come. Um, they're boring, but they're good. I think they move on, and that's about all they'll do in the tournament. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to disagree with both of you here. I will, of course, agree with you that Brazil will win, uh, because I think we all know that they are, uh, you know, just a superpower here. Um, but I'm, I actually have Serbia coming out in the second spot of this group. Um, I think that they're, as we talked about, just going to be a ton of fun to play, uh, to watch, and I think that they'll be able to turn those results into um, into positive points here to sneak into second place. And then in the knockout round, I think they're going to come up against a real team that is uh, truly, um, you know, uh, full and um, and good at everything. And so I think that they will immediately exit once they get into the round of 16. All right. What's the word I'm looking for there? Not full. Yes. So I think that they'll enter the round of 16 and come up against a complete team that they can't deal with, and they'll exit immediately. So you're saying in this group stage, they're going to hit the full ground running. (laughs) That's exactly what I'd say, Chris. Thank you. Okay. So that's going to wrap it up for us here. And uh, join us next time as we dive into Group H, Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Bye, guys.